Lindell here, the chapter goddess. I am a mom, author, blogger, freelancer, podcaster, producer, and overall creative. With this show, I really want to focus on creatives and bring their authentic self to life. How are they motivated to pursue their passion? What have been the struggles along the way? Does self-care play an important role in who they are today and how they connect with the creative flow? Bringing one's authentic self to the forefront is important in this world that we live in currently. Sharing your self-care, your tips, and how you stay on track for things without losing it completely is also important. Self-care is not talked about enough, and authenticity and self-care are what I like to highlight with my creatives, as well as getting to know them. So get ready for a fun and entertaining show. Hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already, and let's get ready to meet this episode. Yes. Hello, everyone, and thank you for hopping on today to watch me go live on my own channel. Um, this is kind of a big step. I was talking with my guest author beforehand about how excited and a little bit nervous that I am. And I just I want to say thank you guys for joining. If you haven't hit the like button, go ahead and do so now. And for some reason, Facebook's not showing like names. So if you're in the group or you're on my page or you're on YouTube, just drop a comment, say hi, leave a question if you have anything for you want me to ask for our guest. And yeah, let's get ready for this. Share this. Let's bring in more people. And without further ado, let me bring in our guest and let her tell us a bit about her and her book. Hi, guys. Hey. So, April, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about the book we're going to be talking about today. Um, yeah, so I'm a fantasy author and I write in young adult or YA. Um, I love anything that's inspired by fairy tales or mythology. Um, and my book, Still Princess, has futuristic elements to it, but it's also definitely fairy tale inspired. Um, yeah, like it has an evil queen who is an evil robot queen. So Ooh. there's definitely fairy tale elements to it, but it's also got a slight futuristic touch. Yes. And for those of you guys watching, this is her book, Steel Princess. Two worlds, one of magic, one of steel. It's actually got a great cover and everything. So tell us a little more about the main character and the story and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So there's Silver. Sorry, if I go off because I have to keep checking the phone. It's not going to black off. Um. Yeah, so Silva is a female gynoid, or a female android, which is called a gynoid. Um, and she's been living in a human community. So it's in a world where the evil queen hunts humankind, basically. They're seen as, like, the lesser people. Yeah. Um, and they serve so humans, basically, in hiding in these, like, big communities. Um, and Silva's been living in a travelling community and has been hiding but she's grown a lot of like 
really good friendships and she's got adopt like parents that have basically become adoptive parents um because of that and then you've got eden who on the other side of it is a tinker in the palace so he like repairs the royals and the nobles and works on all of the people that are living there Ooh. and then he has his own adventure as well so it's kind of like two stories in one but then they come together towards the end nice where did the inspiration for this come from um I, I started writing the book when I was like 18 so during sixth form then I went into secondary school um I can't even remember where the idea actually came from I think it just popped into my head one day um but then I spent time over the years sort of like working on the fantasy element it wasn't until covid lockdown that i decided to rewrite the whole thing and make it like a fantasy story <laughs> because it was just originally a futuristic version of the uk um with the same character names you still had silver and eden but mm-hmm. they were in a different world nice do you know what kind of brought the idea of changing it from what it was before to what you have it as now um no, not really. It's it's just sort of developed on its own over the years. <laughs> it's changed. And a lot. We've got a few people that are hanging out with us. Adam is our Facebook user. Thanks for joining. And Joe is mm-hmm. going to you now. Um, and Adam says hi, April. Hi. And Joe's a great you. cover. So with this kind of having like the androids and everything into in it, did you have to do any research to create? The fantasy aspect with that um i tried to make do a little bit of research to make it realistic but i did sort of take a lot of inspiration from other books i'd read um so one is called um the kingdom by jess rothenberg that's a really good book and it's kind of set in a if you've seen or heard of westworld um you've got the androids in the theme park it's kind of like that but in a i, th- I see it in like a disney way so it's Ooh. the fairy tale characters are basically androids but of their own kind and then you've also got nina varela's um cryer's war series that's a really good series and she's also like an android princess as well so i think there are lots of different ways to play around with the futuristic sides of things and you can put your own spin on it a little bit as long as you try and make it realistic or as realistic as possible yeah um, you mentioned that you rewrote the whole story during the pandemic. What was that like writing the story with the world shut down around you? Was it, did you find it kind of refreshing or was it more of a challenge? I think it was, I, I don't really know because I, I was furloughed. So I wasn't really like able to work in mm-hmm. my job that I had at the time. Um, so I was spending a lot of time at home anyway. And because it was the summertime, I was all heading into the summer. I was spending a lot of time in the garden, reading and writing out there. So it was kind of refreshing and kind of nice at times, but then also not being able to go out and do much. <laughs> Had its own struggles a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I just enjoyed the story, you know. That's good, though. What was your biggest challenge in taking it from its first draft to publishing it? Um. So... It's definitely changed a lot over the years. So, like I said, it was the futuristic version of, like, our world um, years ago. And then, so what happened was I used to, I queried it, like, to literary agents. Mm-hmm. And um, there was actually a publisher at Penguin 
um, that gave me like a revise and resubmit and then a full, like a full request. Um, just because she, she liked the concept of like the androids in the draft form that it was before. Yeah. Um, but then she said that she thought that the world didn't really click hmm. or it didn't seem quite, I don't know if it's, she didn't seem, I think it was quite realistic enough or it just didn't seem to really work. And it wasn't that I was like going with that or she had, she said that I did that and then I had to go and do exactly what she said, but it kind of gave me the idea to think. And I was also reading a lot of fantasy books at the time as well with the whole stolen princess trope and yeah. um, loving it. So I think I, the idea just popped into my head once and I thought that could be a cool idea. Like, yeah. Well, I like that you went with a more fantasy concept in it. That kind of brings in a wider audience, I think. Um, yeah. What, how did it take it long once you decided to add the fantasy stuff to it? Did it take you long to finish and get edits and everything done? Did you use beta readers or what was that process like? Yeah. So at the time that I was querying it, um, I was using beta readers constantly and some of them are like really good friends that I've had since mm -hmm. university. Um, and yeah, they, they all gave some really good feedback and, um, but it, I, th I just kind of kept adding to it over different rewrites and I kept like, it didn't have the sirens and the pirates and the mermaids on one side of the world that it does have now. Like it didn't have as much of the fantasy elements before it was it was a fantasy and it was set in the palace and things but like like Eden's side of the story didn't really come out as much until a later draft Ooh. I just decided I think I get these ideas and I try and roll with them and then obviously it's trying to make them fit and make them realistic and fit the story as it comes yeah um do you have a favorite character from the story or one that stands out more than the others? Um, probably, I liked writing both Silver and Eden, but I really liked Adelia. Um, so she's a pirate character that kind of comes out, um, I think it was around chapter eight or something in Steel Princess. And she's now kind of got her own um, POV in book two, which I'm writing at the minute. So she wasn't originally going to be a POV character, but she kind of took on her own spin, her own life, I suppose. So is The Girl Behind the Glass, is that book two coming out? I'm going to hold that up there for you guys. April, you can go ahead and tell me yeah. about it. Like, And so that one isn't, actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm writing book two at the moment. Okay. Um, the Girl Behind the Glass is a dark Snow White retelling. Uh -huh. which is hopefully coming out over the next couple of months. Oh. When I finished Still Princess, I didn't want to just go straight into the sequel. I had the idea for the sequel, but I wanted to kind of go back into a story that I've written a few years ago um, mm -hmm. during NaNoWriMo, if you've ever yeah. done that, um, National Novel Writing Month, where I, I used to do it constantly every, I think it's every few months, because you've got Camp NaNo in April and July, and then mm -hmm. NaNoWriMo in November. Um, any writers that might be watching, it's really good to worth it have, is. A, have, a watch, have a go at it because it, it pushes you to actually get the words on the page. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's worth that is true. Nano kind of kicks my butt every year I do it. I mean, I somehow find a way to finish it and like 
win it, as we call it, for the one in November. But man, like, who? But so the Snow White retelling came out of NaNoWriMo, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did, did you just sit down to plan it out and just go with it? Or like, how did you choose that one? Um, so I think, again, I had the I had the idea for some reason. I don't know where it came from that I wanted a character to be made of glass or turn, be turned into glass. Yeah. Um, so then I kind of had the characters meet a witch and she gets cursed and there's a lot of witches in the book. So there's a strong witchy theme there. But then oh, she grows to meet the witches and work with them a lot more later on. Yeah. Do you think you'll continue to kind of play with the theme of the princesses moving forward? Because you've got these two books that you've been working on now. Is book two in the um, Prince Steel Princess book? Is that kind of more princess Steel Princess focused? Sorry. Yeah. yeah so probably because I just love the fantasy, the princesses, the witches, anything sort of magical, royals. Mm. Um. So. I have got a few other books that, again, during NaNoWriMo, which I might sort of bring out in the future, that have some princesses in it, yeah. <laughs> or at least a royal sort of character. Ooh. They're just a lot of fun to play around with the different kingdoms and how they interact, I think. that's That they are, which, speaking of the different kingdoms, let's dive into a little more detail of the world you've created in Steel Princess. What are the differences and because you said they're different on each side of the planet, right? Let's yeah. talk about the detail and what you've had to do to create that. Yeah, so um, I think, like I said, it was a lot of going back over and changing things, like in later drafts, because once you realize that certain things don't work in certain worlds, you get a lot of plot holes and it's figuring out how to fix them. So, yeah, it has definitely evolved over lots of different drafts. Mm -hmm. But um, the world and the characters and everything have changed over that time. Yeah. What are some of the creatures you put in the world? Um, so in Paneria, which is Elysia. So Elysia is the still city, the still mm -hmm. kingdom. Paneria is sort of the enemy. enemy. Um, so a lot of the magical creatures in Paneria, you've got elves, centaurs, sirens, pirates, mermaids, um, everything magical you could possibly think of, basically. Um, but it's ruled by an elf king. Mm -hmm. And and then in Elysia, um, the Steel City, they have no magic, but they kind of imitate the magical creatures that you have. So they have like big tournaments and... Um, like there's a kind of like a virtual reality scene where Silver goes through and it kind of imitates some of the things that you see on Eden's side because um, the idea is that they had no magic, but they were trying to still be as powerful when magic was taken away from them. Yeah. Um, with these two characters, what are some of the things that happened in their past, like their backstory? that caused them to be who they are when we first meet them. And um, so Silver has always kind of grown up with her friends and her family. Like in on the first scene, she's so she's hunting for like herbs, like her mum. Mm -hmm. So her mum's the healer for their community. 
um, they were kind of they their families are from this like sanctuary type place um, but they are constantly like traveling and trying to avoid the queen's guards because they're constantly looking for humans um, yeah so Silver's kind of I suppose she's been a little bit sheltered but she's had like a sort of like a fairly good fairly normal upbringing it's only obviously at the beginning of the book that she finds out like who she really is and that she was actually taken from Elysia when she was really young and um Eden has a similar thing he's also from the same sanctuary um mm-hmm. but he is basically like a prisoner in the palace in oh, his yeah. own right so he's he was also taken um from his his home and his parents and then brought to the to Elysia to Panera to Elysia sorry to the palace Ooh. to build on the royals and nobles so he's very forced and he has to wear like a tracker thing around his wrist and um the queen's guards are constantly watching them and monitoring everything they're doing so is he the only one that they have trapped there to work on them um there are a few others but yeah, so they, they have a thing of when they don't have enough resources as opposed to use, they they have to take humans and send cyborgs oh, in. Wow. Okay, I have to ask, does the story come up about why they chose him within this story? I guess, or yeah. I guess with the detail, not the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does come out. Um, so he actually has a steel heart, or like a oh. mechanical heart. So yeah. I suppose that is linked to Silver, because he's human, but he's um, had some problems when he yeah. was younger. So um, I think his his mother, um, who he hasn't he doesn't really know, because mm-hmm. he was taken when he was so young. She had to go to the palace to the nobles and um, to the tinkers, sorry, to try and they. She thought maybe there was something that they could do to help him with his heart problem. And that's when he was taken from them. So he was basically just a baby. And because they gave him that heart, they're like, nope, he's got to stay here. That's sad. Like, that kind of hurts my heart, man. Like, he's going to take this baby from the mom. Like, does she ever, I mean, I guess she really couldn't do anything in retaliation, right? No. (laughs) I suppose not. Does he ever get to see like his family again, or? Yeah, well, that's a that's a big thing on his side is that he goes after his parents. Mm-hmm. He gets an opportunity to leave the palace, um, because one of his his like superiors, sort of assistant, um, his superior is very strict as well and doesn't really give them much leeway or anything. But the assistant is a bit nicer and gives him an op- opportunity to go and go back to the home, but to look after or keep an eye on the princess who they found, oh, knowing yeah. that um, the queen is very close to finding her. Oh, I know I'm going to keep this question to myself because I know the answer is going to be spoilers for the story. So I'm going to move on to the next one. And let's talk about what your normal writing routine is like. Do you work outside of the home and write when you can? Or what does that look like for you? Um, yeah, so it changes a lot. Like I tend to work in the week, uh, write in the weekends mm-hmm. because I write during the week now. Um, 
but I love writing in coffee shops and cafes. I used to write in Costa. I had a really nice Costa. But then um, in my like hometown, not far from me, there's a really nice little cafe and it's like right next to the lake. And it's fairly new. So it's like my favorite place to write now. Mm, that sounds like a wonderful place to write. You get in the window yeah. where you can see the lake and just yeah let it all flow. <sighs> and it's funny in the summer because they have like an obstacle course. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Total Wipeout or anything. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Something like that, which is quite funny. You could totally use that for inspiration for fight scenes and stuff. If you ever like have yeah. that in there from Wipeout. Oh, <laughs> Um, with that being like your go-to method to write, do you also consider that part of like self-care? Because one of the topics I ask every creative that I pull on my show is what they do mm -hmm. for self-care. Um, as mentioned in the intro, we don't talk about self-care enough. So that's always one of my big questions. But is that part of it? Yeah. Like I always have snacks with me as well. <laughs> that's a big thing. Or to go into these places and um, coffee shops. Ooh. Um, what else do you do for self-care do you is writing just it for you or is there anything else uh, just reading watching shows <laughs> youtube youtube vlogs watching other writers on youtube is quite cool as well yeah you can learn a lot from watching others on youtube especially in our our world of creativity and whatnot yeah. um another fun question is since you're still kind of early on in the journey what does success look like for you sorry i think it's frozen um, uh oh <laughs> yeah um i don't really i don't know if i thought that about that much about it to be honest mm -hmm. but um i'd love to be able to have someone that does character art of my books you know like when you see on instagram and people have done fan art that would be fun yes and that's a great one do you set goals for your books when you in the writing process uh not really to be honest I just tend to get in the zone and sort of get stuck into the world oh, that when I'm writing that's amazing I love getting like lost in the story especially when it's just kind of you're just getting it out for the first time I'm one of yeah. those when I write it's kind of as another author used the other day when I was chatting with them, I word vomit all of my stuff down first. And yeah. it just it just pulls you into the world. Yeah, it may look like crap, but like that's what edits are for, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um so with these book books out there, you've got some on the horizon. Um, mm -hmm. do you plan to stay in the fantasy genre or do you have like in mind maybe to adventure out into other genres? Um, no, I think I'm quite happy in the fantasy genre to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like other books, like occasionally like comedy, sort of um, YA, contemporary, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Occasional thrillers and stuff. But I, yeah, I love writing fantasy, and I think I'll probably be staying on this for a while. So I have quite a few other books planned within the same world as my fairy tale one mm. um still princess is going to be a book of a four series mm -hmm. book of four nice so with the other princess stories the um i cannot recall the name without the picture the girl behind the glass does that also take place in the world that you've built for steel princess uh no so that one is a different world 
Um, it's got four different kingdoms, so like all set in uh, in the season. So winter, summer, spring, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lots of witches and things that are involved. So the worlds are quite different. And it gets a little bit darker than Still Princess, I would say. Ooh. But it's definitely still got the same fantasy um, inspiration. Yeah. Um, growing up, did you know that you wanted to be a writer someday? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, I always loved to write in primary school. And um, later on, I was writing on Wattpad when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to love that. And that's, I think that's where I started, where I got into it. Yeah. Um, comparing when you started writing originally, like back, like the start of the book and now, do you feel like you've grown a little bit in the writing process and the way you write things and create? Yeah, do, yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, I used to query like my books to agents a lot Mm -hmm. I spent years doing that and then I met lots of lovely indie authors through working freelance editing um and I found that through like Facebook writing groups and things like that just yeah so I've definitely got how found a really nice community on TikTok Instagram um lots of lovely authors on there and Obviously, you meet someone and then you, you get introduced to lots of other people. So, Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the difference between going the traditional route and the indie route? Um, I think it's just it's just what is best for you personally, I think. Like I said, I queried for so long, but mm-hmm. I do love the community that comes with being an indie author. So, yeah. And I love, as everyone says, the creative control of being able to choose your own cover designers, formatter, um, editor, and so on. And all of those people that I've chosen are kind of like my good writer friends now as well, which is really nice. It is amazing how kind of interconnected the indie community is. Like, yeah. and the friends they stay in contact, or the friends you stay in contact with. And I think we have a yeah. question here. Um, Michael asked, have you ever given yourself goosebumps as you wrote or reread part of your stories? I've made the hair stand up on my neck when I reread part of mine. Ooh. Um, yeah, sometimes. Like in The Girl Behind the Glass, um, there were some really like the sad parts towards the end. Um, so I've made myself upset a little bit reading it. But it's, it's yeah. Man, yeah. That's... It's weird making yourself emotional knowing that you read that that is true I feel like if it affects you like that you know you've done a good job on the writing too yeah but then you're also like well would be other people see it the same way that I do or am I just so invested in the characters that I'm but you know like you said if it feels real to you then it might feel real to other people so do you have any advice that you would offer um, newer authors or authors that have just started their writer journey, like they haven't even hit publish yet? Um, I'd say don't panic, because I know it can be quite a scary thing to do. Like, I was really scared when I just decided to go into the whole indie publishing. But um, if you if you have a friend that's already done it, like, that really helps as well. So... I actually attended my first ever book signing um, 
event yesterday and that was from knowing someone that had sort of helped me with big with self-publishing from the beginning and her name was Ali Eldred um, so she got me in touch with someone else and then that person got us both in touch with the event organizers for the event that we went to yesterday of the book festival um, so it definitely helps to have people that have already done it and they can help you through it yeah. Well, April, we are reaching the end of our show. So go ahead and tell our listeners and viewers where they can find you, follow you, and snag your book. Yeah. Um, so it's on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. Um, I'm also on TikTok. I'm quite frequent on there, <laughs> joining in live streams and just posting random videos about books. Um, April Grace author. Um, I'm also on YouTube, April Grace Reads, and Twitter is the same. Um, and yeah, I think April Grace won for Instagram, but yeah. Awesome. And guys, here's those books again. She's got The Girl Behind the Glass coming out. What Do you have a release date for that one yet, April? I don't yet, because I'm just waiting for the proofread to be yeah. finished. And I've got to get some cool artwork done for it as well. Um, but yeah, it's hopefully in the next couple of months. I will be posting about it on socials, obviously. So I'll give lots of updates. Yeah. And we do have one question. Is it available? Are they available in paperback? Yeah. Uh, paperback, hardback, Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Yes. I love paperback. All right, guys. Well, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us and dropping your comments. Don't forget to share this because people can come back and leave us comments. I know I can message April and let her know the comments. Um, we'll see them. And make sure you check out our books, guys. Um, you can find my stuff at my website, thechaptergoddess.com. I'll also have a blog post up featuring some questions we did not discuss in this show live that April has answered with more links to her books and her socials. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, the description has the, the links as well. But thank you guys for watching. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe to get future notifications when shows come out. Also, be sure to check out my website. I have a blog featuring this creative with some other fun and interesting questions. You can also subscribe to my newsletter there to stay up to date with all things The Chapter Goddess and Madeline Dale. Once again, thanks for watching and have a great rest of the day.